I first heard the term sex positive at the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, the graduate school in San Francisco in which I enrolled in the late 1980s, and from which I emerged a decade later with a doctorate in sexology. I was about to make my avocation into my vocation, a tip of the quill to Shakespeare, and hearing one of my instructors utter the phrase that ultimately shaped this book and gave it its subtitle, changed my worldview in the short instant it took to take in the two words. In one quick click moment, the term sex positive made all my years of living at odds with mainstream sexual culture make sense. I wasn't just marching and fucking to the beat of a different drummer. I was instinctively shaping a life of sexual dissent because the culture into which I was born saw appropriate sexuality as such a narrow, normative path. Most sexual possibilities were off that beaten path. Many ignored or excoriated, illegal or branded immoral by a majority culture that had no true respect for even the bright light of heterosexual passion. Not that passion was the heterosexual norm. Repressing female sexuality saw to that. I grew up in this culture, and you grew up in it too. Whatever your first glimmerings of desire, you almost certainly got little support for them, not much real information about how sex works, how bodies and souls come together with other bodies and souls. Even if you desired nothing more than to touch yourself, chances are you couldn't announce your new adventure with pride at school, at the dinner table, to your friends. Or, if you could, You discovered other people acted a little weird about it. Once in a while, I meet a person who hasn't had a sexual upbringing tinged with shame, unmet curiosity, opprobrium, or all three. But people like that are rare. I believe that most of us want enough sexual knowledge to let us feel comfortable and competent. If we don't want this for ourselves, it's a quality we want in our partners. I believe most people want sex to be good, not problematic, dangerous, or bad. They want, though often they are nowhere near able to articulate wanting, a sex-positive world, a world in which sex enhances human connection and sexual possibilities can be explored without shame. Hearing the words sex-positive made me realize I'd grown up in a fundamentally sex-negative world. Even the so-called sexual revolution hadn't knocked out the old guns—religious morality, legal sanctions, threadbare sex education, or none at all—the war between the sexes. Erotophobia fed on itself generation after generation— continually reproducing conditions of fear, shame, and danger. This has not truly changed. Even the generation which fought for sexual liberation has mostly retrenched, refusing to stand up and fight for good sex education for its own children. 
may sound odd to make the claim that U.S. culture is erotophobic. We live, after all, in a society that splices sex into practically everything. Music, movies, commercials, the internet, cable TV. Virginal teen pop stars dress and move like they just stepped off stage at a peep show, and I have the choice every night to channel surf past nudity and faux fucking, often featuring the unfluid bouncing of faux breasts. The boys just as airbrushed and shaved as the girls. Sex is everywhere. But sexual variety is not, in fact, so mainstreamed. And neither is the notion that everyone deserves the sex life that is the expression of their own unique set of desires, as long as it can be had consensually. The people bouncing up and down on adult cable are not fat, old, or in any way ordinary-looking. They're not queer, at least the script doesn't portray them that way,